The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I am a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S., And since I retired from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is viewing the home with information technology. Now, you see, on previous episodes of Family Caregivers Unite, we've heard about the ways in which technology can help family caregivers meet the challenges of family caregiving. We've also heard about some challenges that information technology creates for family caregivers. So it's important for family caregivers to have a clear picture when they're making decisions about using information technology applications in their family situation. And to give us that clear picture, our guest today is Alan Major. Now, Alan is the founder of Good Robot, Good Robot. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but I'm going to call it Mm goodrobot.com. He's always been interested in how science, technology, and society intersect to shape our future. He's pursued this interest over the past 12 years directly in his career as a research analyst and writer. He's currently exploring this frontier, because that's what it is, by experimenting with sensors, home automation, robotics, and collective intelligence. His current venture uses technology to help elderly people live independently in their own homes by sharing information with family and caregivers. So, Alan, let's start. Please, would you tell us more about your career background and what led to your interest in the technology that you're developing with Good Robot? Well, first of all, I should probably say that I'm a little bit of a geek. I've always been uh, fascinated uh, by technology, always trying to look at the cutting edge to try and understand it and explore some of the implications. And uh, I I guess that's why I spent most of my career as a technology researcher and writer. I spent uh, 11 years doing that. Uh, We, you know, studied, you know, when the Internet and World Wide Web came, we, we, we spent a lot of time looking at that, implications of new kinds of wireless technologies. And in the last uh, research program that I worked on, we spent a lot of time looking at uh, the implications of being able to use machines to be able to collect more and more data from the real world. And it turns out that, you know, if you if you look at all the machines in our environment, they're actually collecting a lot of data about us. And that data, if you start to piece all of these little slices together, uh, tells a story that, uh, you know, gives you a sense of what's going on. So 
Uh, just to give some examples to make that a little more real, uh, I talked to auto manufacturers, and they said, you know, if we know the status of every wiper blade on every automobile in a city, we can put together a real-time uh, weather map. Um, I talked to a phone uh, company. They were saying, you know, there's these motion detectors inside of your phone that um, can tell us with a very high degree of accuracy whether you're making dinner or not. There's this distinctive back-and-forth motion that you make, and MIT is even using cameras to look at minute variations in your skin color to be able to measure your heartbeat from afar. So uh, when I look at all of these things, I sort of you know, have a real interest in how you can use these sensors and then combine that with uh, my wife uh, works in healthcare, and so I'm sort of aware of some of the you know, challenges around elderly care. I thought, hey, this is a, a great way to marry some of the information needs of caregivers um, with you know, my interest in all the geeky stuff around technology and data. Okay, very good. Now, just to go to you personally, do you have personal experience of family caregiving? And if so, how has this influenced your work? And if you haven't, what's been your sense of the needs of family caregiving in a very broad social kind of way? Well, I've been pretty fortunate uh, in that our, uh, you know, my wife and I, our, our children and our, our parents are in pretty uh, good health. So a lot of uh, my information does come uh, secondhand. But uh, in speaking with caregivers, I, I found that everyone has, you know, lots of, of, of stories related to this topic. And it's, you know, the, I, I think people experience uh, challenges on, on many different um, levels. And it, it, it sounds to me from the outside as if, you know, it's, it's a bit like, um, you know, having children. There's a lot of things that you wish people would have told you beforehand, <laughs> you know, to, to let you know what to expect or to, you know, give you some kind of, you know, milestone or benchmark on, on where you sit overall. Is this, is this normal? Is this not? Like, why am I, you know, it, it, so just, just, you know, some information and, and being able to kind of navigate these issues. People, people can be uh, overwhelmed, I think. So uh, in, in learning more about it, I guess, one of the things that kind of uh, concerns me is that I realize that, you know, as my parents are growing older, you know, I, they, most of my relatives and my wife's relatives are all out of, you know, uh, province. And so that's, that's something I worry about for the future is like how, uh, how will we deal with, you know, this care issue? And so when my parents need support and, and even when I, you know, need support someday, I, I'd really like to be able to um, see more kinds of uh, options uh, available, I think. Okay. Now tell us a little bit, a little bit about the technology of good robots and, and the kind of purposes you want to put it to. Um, now I realize that, you know, this is a lengthy topic and the technology is complicated, but just give us a quick picture of good robots and its technology. So the, the technology is designed uh, to assist people who wish to live uh, independently in their homes. So there's all kinds of um, uh, options here. There's monitoring technology and sensors that we can use to collect uh, information about events and activities in your home. It's sort of you know these minute slices of data that I was talking about earlier. That you know you know we have systems in our home that in many cases you know have this data already. It's a matter of you know uh, assembling them and, uh, and capturing them. But to know what kind of data to focus on, one of the things that I, I did, uh, again, because a lot of my information comes you know, from other caregivers, I surveyed uh, several hundred caregivers trying to ask them, well, what are the kinds of information you care about? What kinds of things uh, would be most useful? And so the first step is kind of collecting all of that information and then being able to share it uh, with caregivers 
caregivers, uh, with family members, and I think also, um, very importantly, with seniors themselves. Uh, you can start to, you know, collect this data on activity within the home and then have a better sense of what's happening and, and how that's, you know, perhaps uh, changing all the time. And that, that really has, I think, two main purposes. Uh, the first is that it really provides a, a greater degree of, um, I guess, confidence in the safety and well-being of the, the person that you're actually um, that's being cared for. And, and I think the second thing that it does is that it, it helps manage uh, care. Uh, you, you can get things like alerts and reminders that kind of keep you in touch. And it, it, that can be very helpful uh, for the caregiver, uh, but it can also be very helpful for the, the senior as well. Got it. Now, I just want to clarify something. You talk about caregivers. In the world of family caregiving, that can mean two things. It can mean either family caregivers or it can mean professional caregivers or it can mean people who come in like personal support workers um, to help. Who Who are you referring to when you talk about caregivers? I'm, I'm primarily referring to family caregivers, um, but I, I think uh, that's an interesting question because the uh, the technology, you know, doesn't differentiate there. In fact, uh, you know, anybody involved uh, in, in in the circle of care, you know, could benefit from that kind of uh, information as well. So, in answering your questions, I've been thinking of the family caregiver primarily, but I, I think it could be very, very uh, relevant to to other people as well. Right. Now, a little bit more about the way good robot technology works in the home. And you may want to give us just a quick example um, of it working in the home in regard to a particular point. Um, Outline, in other words, the home with good robot technology at work. Okay, yeah, I can sort of describe, you know, maybe uh, the, the process or that you go to install and use uh, something like this. Uh, we're actually going to be doing some, some trials uh, in, in the new year. But the, the first step is really uh, starting by installing a set of sensors that help tell you what's going on uh, within the home. So that can be, you know, many simple things. So has the fridge door uh, been open today? Uh, and these are the, the kinds of things I was surveying caregivers to try and find out. Uh, more about. So uh, one of the things they care about, has the toilet, uh, the shower or bath been used that day? And it's interesting because water is this great, when you think about your plumbing system in your home, it's this great source of data because, you know, what are the first thing that you'll do during the day? Well, you might go to the washroom, you might, you know, uh, you know pour yourself a cup of water. Um, so you know, water is a great statement about the, the cadence of your day. So being able to have a bit of information about something as simple as that uh, can be very useful. Um, wake-up times are some of the things that uh, people care about. Um, it can, the system can also determine uh, whether your lights or switches have been turned on and off. Uh, you can instrument um, uh, doors to know whether a door has been open or shut. Uh, motion can be detected, the same kind of security uh, systems that sort of monitor motion on the outside of your house to know if a burglar you know, might be coming into the porch or up the driveway or something. You can, uh, you can also put those things in your kitchen. So you just know whether there's any kind of motion or activity in the kitchen uh, in the morning. And, and there's also social kind of measures. You can, uh, you can you know, in, in some ways you can set your watch by, you know, whether somebody is watching their favorite program on TV or you can know whether, you know, uh, the doorbell has been rung, whether people are getting calls. So there's a lot of options in terms of what you can actually capture. So you, you choose these sensors and then the next step, 
is to create uh, custom rules or alerts or, or reminders um, based on what's actually happening. And so, you know, I can get a reminder if the the, the first time the fridge opens uh, in the morning, I can be alerted that, you know, oh, somebody's, you know, kind of started their day. Uh, and another thing we're working on is, is voice phone calls. Uh, so we, we want to be able to reach people, you know, not just through email or um, their mobile phones, but uh, in any channel that, 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 that people would find useful for these alerts. Fascinating, because it's, it's a challenge for interpretation of all this data, isn't it, and piecing it together so that it's useful in the sorts of situations you've been talking about. Now, in our situation right now, we've got to take the break because we have to pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guest is Alan Major. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. The Appalachian Knowledge Economy is a program that explores community development and civic engagement throughout the Appalachian community. Such advancements as rural broadband deployment, sustainable development, and economic forward thinking has moved this region to the forefront of our country's technology and knowledge base. Listen for the Appalachian Knowledge Economy with host Joan Miner every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our guest, Alan Major. Our topic is viewing the home with information technology. Now, let's talk about the challenges faced by family caregivers and the family members they care for and how good robot overcomes these. Alan, first of all, what do you see as the three most important challenges that the technology helps with and why are the challenges so important to the people? the caregivers, the family member, and so on. Well, one of the challenges uh, that people talk a lot about is just the worry they experience um, because it's very difficult for 
people to um, be there all the time. Uh, and, and when you're away uh, and, and, and when you're not around, you, you wonder, it's, you know, is, is everything going okay? You know, is, has something gone wrong that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit worried about? I guess it's a little bit like having, you know, a, a teenager out on the, the town. You know, chances are they're just fine. But, you know, some degree of, of, of confidence, uh, you know, knowing, knowing that for, for certain uh, is very helpful. And so that's, a, I think, a legitimate information need. Uh, I, I also think of it, you know, uh, in fact, it, it may not make any difference at all, but I, I know when I, I'm sitting at the bus stop, um, it, I, I like to look down the street and see if the bus is coming, and it doesn't affect the speed of the bus. It doesn't have any impact at all, on, uh, but, but it's hard not to keep looking. So I think, you know, people do have a, a need to make sure that, um, you know, everything is okay when they're not there. That's, that's comforting. And I think it can also be comforting for the senior to have that information as well, you know, knowing whether uh, the, the caregiver is around, uh, you know, are they home. So th- th- there's, there's a two-way exchange there. I, I think another challenge it, that caregivers face is this, um, it, people talk about the burden uh, that, you know, they're squeezed between maybe caring for an elderly relative and their own family concerns. There's like, you know, a lot of pressure on time. Uh, there, there, there's just, you know, a lot of logistics associated with care that can, you know, uh, put a lot of pressure on. And then I think the third one is a, a challenge. Um, it's a very different kind of challenge. I guess it's it's more about communication because, uh, loneliness and, and social isolation for people, especially in remote uh, areas, especially if they're living further uh, from the family members who um, you know would help uh, with you know with the care, uh, that that can be a really big issue. So those are the three things. I think they're they're particularly important because uh, these are the factors or kinds of issues that you know relate to um, independence and whether someone can remain living in their own home. Right. Very good. Now, let's go through those one by one um, and ask you to say how the technology helps and who it helps. And your first point was the, the concern, is everything okay? How does the technology help us know that or not or know that everything is okay or that it's not okay? And who is the us? Who needs to be helped in that one? So that's the question. Well, I guess um, that really uh, is quite helpful, I think, to the, the caregiver. So one of the things our system allows you to do is create uh, custom alerts so that um, if you're away or I guess in, in some cases, even if you're home, it would be useful to be notified um, of, of, of something either going awry or going wrong. So, for instance, um, uh, I, I spoke to a couple of caregivers whose um, spouses um, had, had dementia, and uh, they, they were quite worried about, uh, you know, just, you know, exiting. You know, somebody goes out onto the street and they get lost. I mean, it's, it, it, it's really important to know if, if a door has been uh, opened or closed. And so you can actually have something audible happen in your home where the lights flash uh, when a door is opened or if you're away. Uh, you can set an alert uh, to, to notify you of, you know, everything from, you know, whether, uh, you know, um, uh, somebody has opened the fridge that morning uh, to, uh, you know, uh, whether somebody is, uh, you know, let's say a door opens in the middle of the night or something. And the other thing that you can do in addition to alerts is to 
uh, I guess, act on the information. If you've got a, a smart home, if the, the home knows what's happening, it can actually, in some cases, take action to, you know, make the home a safer place. So, for example, um, we have little kids, and uh, <laughs> one of the things I've done in our own home is to say, well, you know, we walk through the living room, and, and the light switch is on the far side, and there's all of these toys lying all over the place, and we have to trip and stumble all over them. And, uh, you know, just very simple things like, you know, installing a switch near our bed now that I can flip on, it sort of lights your path all the way to, you know, the bathroom. And, and, and that, my wife and I both love that feature. <laughs> so those are the kinds of things you could sort of, you know, monitor. Is the, you know, is the stove been forgotten on? There's lots of things that can, you know, help you improve the safety of the home. Right. Now, the the next one that you mentioned um, was to do with the burden, and I'm going to interpret back to you, and if you don't think, if you think I've not got it right, please tell me, but it's to do with managing the things that have to be done, or being assured that the things that have to be done have in fact been done at the right time and in the right order. Is that the kind of thing that you, you had in mind for your second point? Yeah, I did. I think that's a, a really uh, important piece of it because it's sort of all of the the kind of uh, care management and the logistics of care and making thing you know making sure that things uh, are, are are going uh, according to plan. I think there's a you know when I when I speak to people, pe- people talk a lot about that. Anything that can aid them in making sure that you know uh, things do go as as planned and that everything happens and that things are moving along as they should uh, is, is really uh, important. I think um, there, there's another piece of it too, which is that um, I, I guess when, when you talk to some caregivers, they say that you know, the person who is actually closest to the person receiving care, so the family member, let's say they're, you know, everyone's spread across, you know, different provinces or cities, uh, the person who happens to be, you know, in the city local, uh, usually they're spending a lot more time and effort uh, involved in care. And that, um, I, I guess that, that's, that sometimes the, the extent to which they're helping isn't even visible uh, to other family members. And so I think there's an opportunity for this kind of technology to sort of widen uh, that circle of care, allowing other family members to, you know, keep uh, better appraised of what's going on, but also kind of lend a hand uh, where they can. Uh, because it, there's, there's a lot of these things, whether it's, you know, setting up appointments or, you know, there's different aspects of care which can be done uh, remotely, or at least, you know, at the very minimum, just, you know, uh, understanding just how much time somebody might be spending, you know, gives you a, a greater appreciation uh, for, for what's going on. So I think there's, a, there's an element there that uh, uh, could be, um, very useful. And then uh, back to what you had said originally, there, there's an opportunity, I think, to uh, use these alerts and reminders to help um, not only uh, the, the caregiver sort of say, hey, you know, maybe, um, you know, it's not just like a timer that's, you know, not very smart that says, hey, you know, you should call your mom at, you know, 1030 every morning. Um, maybe, maybe it's smart enough to say, hey, you know what, your mom has had breakfast. Now is a good time uh, to, to call. Um, but you can also have, uh, you know, these kinds of uh, intelligence and alert, uh, intelligence alerts 
that are useful for the senior themselves. So, you know, the system will know um, whether, you know, the last time you may have uh, opened the fridge and had a meal or the last time that you've, you know, maybe had a bath. And so that, you know, it can give you helpful reminders. So if, you, if you've forgotten, you know, when the last time you had a bath was, it can, it, it can uh, you know, actually call you up and let you know. So uh, that, that's, that's some of the options for, you know, I guess, um, alleviating some of the burden or, or managing the care situation. Okay. Now, your third one was loneliness and social isolation. Um, I, we've heard that a lot on Family Caregivers Unite. Please talk to us about the way in which you envision that challenge and the way in which you particularly see the technology helping with it. Well, one of the um, – I, I was at a recent conference, and uh, one of the uh, speakers at that conference said that, uh, you know, that there, there's this separation that we sometimes make between uh, mental health and, and physical health. And, in fact, you know, these two things are, are, are very uh, connected uh, to one another. In fact, I, I think the, the statistic that they, they gave on that is that, you know, loneliness and, and, and social isolation is the equivalent to, um, you know, smoking a pack of a day, a pack of cigarettes a day. It's, it's, um, it really does uh, impact uh, your, your physical health as well. And so uh, any technology that allows you to build new kinds of uh, bridges I think offers an opportunity to increase uh, the flow of communication, to you know reach out to someone and become uh, closer to them. I, one of the ways that I'm, I've been thinking about this is um, the, the difference it makes when you live really like if, if your house is physically attached to someone. So, for example, if you've got um, a, a granny suite in your house, um, or if, if like uh, we do, we, we have tenants who um, live above us, um, you have a very intimate understanding of the cadence of each other's days. Uh, you can hear the plumbing going. You can, you know, uh, hear the doors open and close. You can, you know, they, I, we have very loud microwave. So you sort of, without even thinking about it, you, you, you understand how someone's day is going. And so, you know, if that was my mother or father, you know, living in a, in a gran, granny suite uh, attached to our place, it'd be like, oh, wow, somebody's having dinner. Let's invite them over. You know, there's, there's opportunities that you're, you can sort of use to reach out and, uh, you know, communicate uh, more often. So I, I think of a system doing, you know, creating these kinds of bridges uh, virtually that not only sort of makes you feel closer to someone just because you know um, how their day is going, but actually, you know, gives you, you know, the information you need to reach out, uh, you know, whenever it's uh, appropriate. You know, you're not, you know, playing phone tag or some of these other things that can get in the way of uh, communicating with other people. Um, very quickly, what I'm going to say back to you is this. That sounds absolutely fascinating because it sounds as though the technology is really helping to augment the signals of everyday life that mean that we're living together and communicating with each other and understanding each other. Um, just a yes or no. Have I got that right? That's, that's actually a much better way of explaining it. <laughs> I like that description. That's fantastic. Okay, great. No charge. Now, <laughs> talking of charges, I'm afraid we have to take the break at this moment. Uh, as I keep never tired of saying, we have to pay our rent. This is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guest is Alan Major. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're coming back.
opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Has your role model let you down? Every day it seems we turn on the news or read online that today's entertainment and sports stars have gotten out of hand again. Drugs, theft, drunk driving, and other actions of disorderly conduct are what some so-called role models are all about. Not here. Tune in to Runway Role Models and find out about some positive people who are making a difference now and paving the way for the future generation. Our generation. Tune in to Runway Role Models every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our guest, Alan Major. Our topic is Viewing the Home with Information Technology. So now let's talk about the challenges created for family caregivers and their family members they care for by technologies like Good Robot and what the solutions are. Now, Alan, first first of all, let me quote to you from a prior episode of Family Caregivers. That's where Gail Hunt, who's the president and CEO of the U.S. National Alliance for Caregiving, said that, Family members may not want to feel that their family caregivers are using technology to intrude on them. She thinks that this is a matter of autonomy. Alan, what do you think? I I think that is uh, not just an important question. That really is uh, the question. I I, I mean, to sort of put that maybe a little bit more bluntly, uh, I really think that people, they don't want to be spied upon and get nothing in return. I, I think that's, that's the problem, is that if you install a monitoring system, um, people can feel like it's kind of um, invasive or uh, an intrusion. And I think um, how the, the kind of the way out of that, um, that, that challenge is uh, that it, it should actually offer uh, for the person, you know, who's receiving care, they, they need to see a, a benefit. They have to get something out of it. It's a, a, any kind of monitoring system. A pro, it, there, there's going to be a problem if there's some kind of asymmetry where, you know, you're, you're pulling information out uh, but not uh, giving it back. So I think uh, it's like many tools. It's, it's all in how you use it. So if we use uh, a tool like this, uh, properly, it, it can have some some really important benefits. Um, you can think of it, I guess. 
almost as like an electronic safety net, uh, in fact. It's a, you, you lower the risks, and uh, you know, in, in many ways, you allow people to do things that um, maybe they wouldn't be able to do without that kind of technology that you know, kind of lets you know if something's uh, gone wrong. I, I, I think back to a, um, a conversation I had with um, uh, a company that sells these uh, GPS tracking devices, and um, and I asked him about the privacy issue, and he said, uh, he says, oh, my, my kids have these things. And I said, oh, really? He says, yeah, and they love it. I said, why do they love it? Um, and he said, well, because uh, if they have these things tracking where they go, he says, I I let them do more stuff. He says they can they can go further afield. They can go to a party. I'm not worried uh, as long as they've got this thing on. It, it gives me a measure of confidence and it gives them more independence. So I think that's a kind of a, an interesting way of of uh, kind of looking at it. Is that you know if you have uh, this kind of technology, you should use it to create more independence and more benefit uh, for the person who's using it. That's very good. Now. What other challenges, of privacy challenges, does the technology we're talking about create for family caregivers and, of course, their family members? The other challenges, in other words. Well, I, 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 I love looking at uh, history of technology, and I, I think if you go back, this is, this is actually quite common for any kind of new uh, information sharing technology or new uh, communication, you know, kind of paradigm. Like if you go back to the, the telegraph, any any new communication system, you know, creative sort of disruption. It's like, well, well what, you know, how, how, do, how, do, how, do, how do we accommodate that uh, socially? Uh, at the beginning of the century, for example, uh, when telephones were invented, they were viewed as um, very intrusive because, um, when somebody came into your home as a guest, there's a specific process. You know, they knocked on the door and they would be invited into the parlor. And then the idea of this phone inside the house suddenly ringing and somebody's there, it was, it, it was, um, it was inappropriate. And so we sort of had to adapt ourselves to that. And, and I remember as a kid, the same thing happening with the arrival of telephone answering machines. Uh, when they first came out, the people who had them, that's like, well, oh, that's very impersonal and rude, you know. It's so, so I think this is no different. Um, you know, part of it is our comfort level in, in adapting to it, you know, getting used to the idea that, you know, we're, we're sharing information. And I think this is something that I'm, I'm personally becoming a little bit more used to uh, with, with all of these social media tools. It's become much more common to, you know, share information about what you're doing with other people and to, you know, continually be in touch. And so our culture is sort of adapting uh, to that. But I think another aspect of that is is making sure that, um, a system like this is used uh, respectfully. Uh, permission, uh, you know, is, is, is a huge uh, issue for this. You need to have someone's permission in order to be able to, you know, manage sharing appropriately. I, I like to think of it as the, the golden rule, too. It's sort of like, well, if this was me in those shoes, how, how would I feel about that information being shared? How how you know, um, what would I want? And and that's that's very difficult, I think, particularly as you have you know, a caregiver who may over time be making more and more decisions uh, on behalf of somebody else, uh, it, it, then it gets, it's very, very tricky. Right. Now, let's be specific in a, in a type of question, and that is, 
Who outside the family should be allowed to use the technology for monitoring a family member um, that the, is being cared for, who's being cared for by a family caregiver, and why? So in other words, let's go outside the, the, um, the family and consider that the monitoring, the monitoring can go on outside of the family. Who should be allowed to do that? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a that's a that's a very tricky. You know, uh, I, I think one of the challenges is that information sharing is um, very uh, dependent on context. Uh, so it's not like so, so. For instance, even my own family members, uh, I don't necessarily want them knowing uh, everything. But on the other hand, um, you know, like I don't want them, you know, maybe knowing you know intimate details about what's going on in every room in every house throughout the day. But on the other hand, um, in the event of emergency, suddenly, you know, I'm I'm much more interested in sharing it widely to whoever might help. So, um, for instance, while I might not want to share you know, um, the cadence of my day with a neighbor, um, if there's an emergency and something looks really wrong, then the neighbor is a, in a, a great position to be able to, you know, maybe come to my aid quickly and, and, and help me out. So it's, it, it is a very tricky issue. Um, when uh, when a, a friend of mine was describing, uh, you know, how um, they had a system where you could, you know, his grandmother could press an emergency alert. And in fact, you know, it, it went through a call list and one of the people was the neighbor. And um, and the neighbor did come to uh, her aid and she was a bit offended that he just sort of came in the front door. And the next time that she had an issue, she, she didn't press the button and they didn't know why. And, you know, maybe maybe it's because she did, she she still didn't want that level of in, intrusion, so it can be very very uh, difficult. I think, it, like I said, it's it's um, uh, contextually you know dependent. It requires you know a lot of uh, judgment and permission and and, and huge uh, trust issues. I, I think you know some people you know should have access, but only in emergencies. Uh, while others, you know, whether it's family members or or close friends, you might want to be you know, sharing more information more of the time with them. It's, it's, but it's a very, very uh, a challenging issue because we've never had to manage, you know, this kind of level of data sharing before. Right. Now, I'm going to turn that question upside down and say, who outside the family should definitely not be allowed to use the technology for monitoring a family member in the kind of situation we're talking about? Who should be prevented Forever from using the technology. <laughs> that, that, that's a hard one as well. I, I think you know, as before, it, it's still you know heavily context. You know, I guess context and situation dependent, and you know what is useful in an emergency is different from the day to day. But if I sort of think of one category that I, I find a little bit worrisome is um, uh, perhaps in, I, I don't want to you know point fingers, but maybe um, insurance companies is an issue because um, by simply having the information, uh, they can make decisions about you know things like eligibility or perhaps you know denying coverage. And this is this has come up in you know in a number of different uh, contexts where you know the information that an insurance company is allowed to. Um, Gather might be limited, and I think this is this is probably another good case where um, you know there there are some uh, risks there. But uh, there's a lot of other categories that are sort of somewhere in the middle. I mean, like let's say 
you know, my employer wants to, you know, have uh, access to this kind of information on me in my home. You know, should they be allowed, especially if they're footing the bill for my care? I don't know if that's, you know, right or wrong. Should a landlord have it? Should a doctor have it? Um, and, and maybe it also depends on who's uh, paying for the system and how it's being used. Um, but uh, there, there is some precedent, I think. One, one of the challenges, like, is is how do you manage all of this? And um, some of the social media tools uh, that are out there, I think, are, are starting to help us get a handle on, you know, how we restrict access. How do we, you know, manage this information by, by specifying rules? I think the, the real answer is to uh, give people control uh, over how they share their information and when they share it and, and who they share it with because then then you allow them to, you know, make decisions on what's appropriate uh, and what isn't. So I think putting putting it within people's control and allowing them to kind of specify uh, uh, with, uh, with a high degree of fidelity the, the kinds of ways and, and context that their information should be shared in, I think, I think that's the way to, to solving a lot of these uh, kinds of issues. Got it. Now, I think that comes back to the very point that Gail Hunt uh, made that I quoted, the question of autonomy, Um, and that is to make sure the technology doesn't take away the right of the individual or the family to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to come back to that in a different way in the next episode, but sorry, segment, but the uh, time is again upon us where we have to take the break. Uh, this is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guest is Alan Major. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are coming back. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You know, I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's Doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. 
Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our guest, Alan Major. Our topic is viewing the home with information technology. Now let's, Alan, talk about what more you would like to see done to bring helpful technology to family caregivers and to the family members they're caring for. So first of all, let me ask you, what more needs to be done by healthcare, you know, the healthcare system and government to assist family caregivers and their family members in getting the help of helpful technology? Well, I, I think one of the kind of background uh, issues influencing uh, all of this is that um, if we can allow people uh, to live independently uh, in their homes, uh, that can be a win for everybody. Um, you know, uh, that's something that, uh, you know, most people want. Uh, I think I've seen a survey by, uh, that was done that said, you know, 90% of people uh, wish uh, to remain living in their own homes uh, as they age. And I, I think, um, I'm not sure the stat, but I think it's around 40% actually uh, in, in the end fail to do so. Uh, so. So the extent to which we can allow uh, people to live independently in their homes, that's, that's something they want. Uh, I think that's a you know a win for um, the the healthcare system. Uh, we hear about the you know the inordinate cost of you know emergency uh, care, and I, I think that's a win for uh, the government too, uh, because you you know assisted living facilities and long term care uh, can be uh, ex- extremely um, expensive. So. Um, everybody, I think, has you know incentives to move in the the same direction here, and so um, what can be done, I, I think, is to make that uh, technology uh, as accessible as as possible to people. If there's a technology that aids people to live independently in their own homes, then uh, then then that's clearly a win. So the extent that we can, you know, allow that to happen to inform people that they have you know options. Uh, in that direction, I, I think that's all very, very helpful. Okay, is it just quickly? Is it a matter of cost? Do you think there, what you've said, the accessibility? Well, part of it is cost, but but it's it's funny in 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 Canada, for example, um, it uh, it's you, you spend money to uh, you know implement this kind of technology in the home, but but you sort of get it back in terms of you know uh, you know less. Let less that you're spending on, you know, long-term care, for example. So, it's it's it's. I think the cost issue is uh, a, a little bit complex. It's 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 not just the the cost of it, but but who pays? Very very good very good answer, if I may say so. Now, Alan, do you think more needs to be done to help family caregivers and their family members understand how technology helps them, and also understand the challenges it might create for them? So that's kind of part one of this quick question. And part two is, is there a place for something like a family care guideline in the use of this technology? What do you think? Yeah, I think absolutely. Uh, people uh, need to be more aware of how these uh, technologies can help. I mean, uh, for me, I, I'm kind of steeped in the uh, technology, and so I'm always thinking about, well, what, what new thing might be on the cutting edge that, uh, you know, we could use, you know, like whether it's, um, you know the the uh, you know the connect. Uh, it's like oh wow, there's another source of data that we can use to get information about you know the activities um, you know within somebody's home. But I think um, the the idea that we can actually use these technologies uh, to to solve 
the information needs of, of caregivers. I, I don't know how much uh, information there is about that or how accessible uh, these things are to people. Um, you know, in, in fact, I, I think of it as, you know, in many ways, this information is going to waste. Uh, for instance, many people have, you know, a security system uh, installed in their home. That that. That system has all kinds of useful data about what's going on, but it's it's not being uh, shared with caregivers. So, just simple information about you know um, how to you know what technologies already exist, uh, what kinds of options are there, um, and, and I, I think that would be very very helpful. And then I guess with all of that information, though, comes a bit of a responsibility. Um, so some guidelines about how uh, we ought to use uh, this. This, these systems and this information uh, responsible, responsibly uh, to sort of foster independence rather than take it away. I think that's uh, that's really important, and I think we need to do a lot of work to figure out well what are what, what are these rules? What are these guidelines? Because you know, like any technology, can it can also be misused as well. Right. Now I'm going to ask you basically the last question. Now we'll I may have a second or two at the end just to comment back to you on something, but. What's your strongest message to family caregivers who are considering technology as a way of helping them care for a family member? What do you say to them? Well, for me, I, I think this is the uh, beginning. This is, this is a really exciting time because we've got all kinds of uh, new technologies that are going to make it easier to uh, collect and share and act upon information intelligently. In many cases, we're getting access to things that nobody has had before. And, and those, those tools and technologies uh, can be enormously uh, helpful. Uh, on one hand, we're, we're, we've got it, this information empowers us. It, it gives us uh, more confidence in the safety and well-being of loved ones, even if we're not uh, physically there. And I, I think like many uh, early technologies, um, you, you take the invention of the telephone, for example, it makes, us, makes it easier to stay in touch. It connects us. And so for me, this is really about the creation of new kinds of information bridges that, um, it, like I said, it's at the beginning, we're going to be getting more information, more communication, and, and this is going to bring us closer together. It's going to make it easier to uh, stay in, in, in touch. Distances uh, are going to matter less. So that, that's, for me anyway, this is, this is the, uh, selfishly, this is the kind of home I want when I grow old. And I think, uh, you know, I, I hope it will, uh, you know, one day bring me closer to, to my family when the time comes. Is this what they call a smart home? I think that yeah, that's exactly it. It's it's um, you know uh, building in intelligence uh, that that ha- hasn't existed in homes. And, and today we sort of say, you know, we might brag. It's like, oh, I've got a smart home and I've got the system. I think in the future uh, we won't call these smart homes at all. We're, we're going to expect uh, that kind of intelligence uh, to, to be built into our environments and our homes. Got it. Now. I'm just going to go back to the question of the guideline, and here I'm being a little bit selfish because this is something that um, I think is very important. And I'm going to be very unfair, Alan, but is producing a family care guideline something that you, as a volunteer, would be interested in participating in? And the family care guideline would be for family caregivers considering the use, the ins and outs of using technology to care for a family member. 
can I, can I get you to agree that that would be a good idea and to volunteer a little bit of time to help doing it? I would I would love to help in something like that because I think you know uh, guidelines like these this is a this is kind of a um, I guess a bit of a frontier and so the more diverse points of view you have in trying to you know figure it out and figure out appropriate uses of technology I think that you know uh, it's it's never too early to start that kind of um, discussion so I'd I'd love to participate in that. Just great. Um, you can be sure of one thing: I shall be back to you. <laughs> Now, it's coming to the end of, the, uh, uh, of this episode, and I want to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners, and to say we really would be very pleased to hear from anyone who's interested in any of the things that Alan's been talking about. I want to say to Alan, um, first of all, thank you very much for talking so clearly about this topic and putting things down so fairly, and kind of sharing not only your experience and your insights, but also your sense of where it's all going. Because that's very important. Because what I hear, and what we all hear on Family Caregivers Unite, is that family caregivers lead a life which can be very stressful. Which, and so, mm-hmm. it's tiring, it's exhausting, psychologically and sometimes financially. So, if I can put it very plainly, they need all the good help they can possibly get, and that includes technology. So when I'm wishing you success in your work, which I am, I'm doing so on behalf of family caregivers because what you're doing sounds to me, and I think to them too, um, as a powerfully, potentially powerfully important help in the home of family caregiving. Now, with that, I'm going to say that our next episode is, is talking about safe living at home, in retirement homes, and in, in assisted living accommodation, which, of course, reflects something of the things that uh, we've been talking about with Alan. So, to our listeners, please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.